It's time to get informed and inspired. This is Saturday Morning Live, sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC, at Linden Sheet Metal on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. KGMI and the Cascade Radio Group receive financial compensation to present this program in its entirety. Opinions and information expressed are those of the host and or sponsors and do not necessarily reflect those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Good morning and welcome to Saturday Morning Live. What better introduction do we need than that huge disclaimer? Welcome. It says cloudy, blustery November morning. We're just going to have a really great community conversation. I'm so happy to introduce our guest today, uh, Nicholas Lewis. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here and uh, have the discussion we're going to have today. Yeah. So, uh, Nicholas, you serve on the National Indian Health Board as well as the regional Portland Indian Health Board. Um, you're a tribal council member as well on the LIBC for Lummi. Is that right? Yes. Yes. That's awesome. I mean, look at look at the leadership, right? Nationally, regionally, um, locally. You're so involved. And it gives you a good basis, I believe, to speak from. I first met you at the last county council meeting, and I was just really struck by your public comment. Kind of, kind of talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind, just to kind of start out. Yeah, no, a lot of this uh, discussion come from what we're experiencing in in our community in Lummi. You know, uh, speaking specifically of fentanyl and the impacts of that, and. Our community's tired of burying a loved one. You know, it's not in our nature, it's not in our culture to see us bury a, a child, a friend, and we're doing it too much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, enough is enough. We can't uh, keep doing what we're doing because we know it doesn't work. And we need to have the tough conversations, and it's not just in our own tribal community. It's with the county. It's with the state. Uh, it's with the regional areas. It's with the national representatives as well. This takes all of us, and it doesn't matter the color of the skin or where you're from. Uh, fentanyl is uh, robbing us all. It is. I agree with I agree with everything that you said. You know, um, the other day when you spoke to, to counsel, you, were, you mentioned um, having to bury a couple of babies, you know, and talking about those little tiny coffins. And, you know, I think it's important that we understand and we realize, I think there are some misconceptions and some stereotypes out there that, you know, the only people who die from fentanyl are people who are hardcore addicts. Is, is that what you guys are seeing? Well, I think when we talk about substance use, it's a stigma. You know, we see what is in the news. We see what's on social media. We see the images in the cities where it's giving that stigma mm-hmm. of uh, when we're talking about this, it's the worst of the worst. And um, when we talk about this, we need to remember uh, that no matter who is struggling with addiction, that they were somebody's child. Mm-hmm. They were somebody's friend. They were somebody's parent. Mm-hmm. And I would challenge everybody to look back when we were children ourselves. We didn't want to grow up and be struggling with addiction. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to grow up and, and live a life where we're on the streets. Um, and, and at the root of this, it's really trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to look at that. But in doing that, uh, the work that we do, it's not about pushing one way or the other. 
And I think that's one of the struggles we have, uh, not just in the, the community here, but in the state and, and nationally, is you can't push harm reduction without acknowledging community safety. They really have to be parallel mm-hmm. in how we go about this. And I don't think we've had a balanced response and approach. We're pushing it one way or the other, and uh, it's ripping our communities apart. And that's why we're seeing so many deaths to this, I think. I think that's re- I think that's really insightful that the solutions that we're seeking are and solutions. It's not, you know, we have a tendency in our society to polarize. And so it's this or that, right? And really we need to look at it and say we need to all hands on deck, we need this and that. Yeah. Right? Um, I think the other thing um that what we're, we're trying to do um, and it's it's going to take time. Uh, and I would say this isn't just a tribal leadership lens or you know any other hats that I wear. People lost faith in leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, people struggle with the trust. And um, when we don't have uh, an effective response that we have uh, today, we're losing people, and we need to really work on gaining the trust of the community and bringing them along with us in this work. The government... Any government can't do this yeah. alone. We can't spend our way out of this. We can't harm or reduction our way out of this. We can't arrest our way out of this. We really need to empower the community as a whole to be right there with us in the solutions. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things that, that really impressed me um, with your talk the other day, and you were talking about um, the emergency declaration that the Lummi Nation has declared, you know, and action steps. That's... That's so unusual. I find government agencies, especially in Whatcom County and maybe Washington, it's like we suffer from analysis paralysis, consensus anxiety, and learned helplessness, right? We talk about it a lot. We analyze it. We do tons of studies. We worry about getting everybody on board before we do anything. And then at the end of the day, the comment is like, well, there's nothing we can do, you know, and if you're like me, you're really tired of hearing that line. We we let the idea of perfection get the way of progress. Yes. And I, I think that's where we, we hang up. We can create plans. We can create work groups, committees. Uh, we can put together a piece of paper, but it's really about implementation and carrying them out. And it's not something uh, that takes one day or one week or one month. This is a committed long-term uh, commitment that we all need to make mm-hmm. together if we're going to work on this trauma is hard to overcome it is and um, especially when you look at the community the the hurt that's in the community mm-hmm. this doesn't just affect the people that are struggling with addiction mm-hmm. um, no that's right i mean you know i think i think you alluded to it right at the beginning you know it's that it's family it's community you know the impacts of somebody dying um you know and maybe to a conversation that Joe and I had off air earlier, you know, whether it's from alcohol or it's from fentanyl or if it's from methamphetamine or whatever it's from, you know, every life has an impact on lives around it. Hmm. And so, you know, when we lose someone or, or when someone's traumatized and in turn traumatizes someone else or, or whatever, it creates this big ripple that turns into a wave and we're seeing the effects of those waves. We are. We definitely are. You know, something else, uh, in some of our conversations, you're really quick to, 
you're really quick to point out that, look, this isn't a partisan thing. And, and you're so right. You know, public safety, um, public health, those aren't partisan issues. They affect everybody. You know, um, if, if you're popping a blue pill, it doesn't really care how you voted last time. It doesn't care how you voted next time or what your family did or who you support or don't support or what you believe or what you don't believe, you know, and, and I think we've got to get to that level because we really haven't, we haven't reached what I want like to call peak fentanyl. If you, if you look statistically at the numbers, the numbers are still increasing steadily and, you know, that's a big deal. Locally in our community, um, we're averaging right now about 10 overdose deaths a month. About 65% of those are, are fentanyl. So about six and a half, seven of those deaths every month in Whatcom County are from fentanyl um, out, of, out of 10 overdose deaths. Um, you know, if you look at the EMS records, the EMS calls, um, we're having about five EMS calls a day in Whatcom County for overdose. Um, about 63% of those people are receiving Narcan before EMS arrives. Uh, the county's given out about 1,400 um, Narcan kits, probably in excess of that because that number's a little bit old. But, but the point is is that I think the, the problem is probably even bigger than we realize, right? Because, you know, frequent flyers, people who are in active addiction, you know that they've got Narcan, and if you give it to your buddy and your buddy gets up, you're not calling anybody. Right. You know, it's that it's that secrecy and that sh- maybe it's shame, you know, or fear of consequences or whatever those things are that that keep people from reaching out. But, you know, the, the numbers are even greater than we think they are. They are. And when you talk about that data, uh, I would believe that that data doesn't include our own tribal data. You know, when you talk about, the you know, giving out the 1400 Narcan. We're giving out a lot as well in our community. Um, it really is life-saving. Mm-hmm. It is about seconds uh, with fentanyl. You need to, to be able to use that. And we really encourage everybody to carry Narcan, unfortunately. So you don't know uh, where you might need it. You can go grocery shopping, be out with the family, and, and see somebody overdosing. And mm-hmm. it's, it's hard. And I, I think the thing with fentanyl is uh, it's not just one Narcan now. Mm-hmm. We're seeing whether it's law enforcement or people in the community that uh, need to use four or five or six Narcans to try to get somebody back because the fentanyl has gotten stronger. That's that's an interesting point as well, and you know, and we're seeing some of that same data on methamphetamine with the P2P meth, you know, and and the nearly instantaneous um, schizo psychoschizo results of it in terms of triggering mental illness type symptoms and those kinds of things. You know, it's, it's methamphetamine's been around for a long time, but, you know, like the ephedrine-based stuff has kind of started out as more of a happy party drug, almost a rave drug. And as it's morphed and as the ephedrine became unavailable, then, you know, they've gone to the P2P formulation, and it's wicked, mm-hmm. you know. I think that's something we also don't talk about as much as, Fentanyl does have the attention of everybody because we see it. We see the deaths that it's causing, uh, but meth is still here. Yeah, um, it's still around, and I think one of the things that we're struggling uh, with because we're we're starting at, at Lummi to test all of our facilities uh, for whether it's fentanyl contamination or meth, and um, 
I think as you start to see results when we test, especially when we've never done this before, mm -hmm. like what we're doing now, you're going to see things that are going to make you angry. You're going to see things that make you scared. Um, but we're taking this serious. And uh, we've seen places uh, where there was meth contamination and having to respond, and it causes a lot of hurt and anger in mm -hmm. the community and people rightfully asking, am I safe? Um, but what I would say to that... Um, how many other places are testing for these type of things? How many other right. places are taking this serious? Um, I, I would challenge, you know, go to a, a gas station or a restaurant, you tested the bathrooms, you're probably going to come back positive for meth mm -hmm. contamination or, or something else because that's where it's mostly used or right. uh, abused. And uh, by talking about this more, un unfortunately, we're going to make it harder on ourselves mm -hmm. because we're going to, ex to see things that we didn't expect to see. And, it's our opportunity and our obligation to do the right thing once we start to take this Band-Aid off. Yeah. No, and, and that's exactly right. 100% of the time, you don't find what you don't look for. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that happens so much. You know, we focus on commission, on things that we do, and sometimes we lose focus of the things we don't do, right? And what are the results of that? And when we when we do, like you say, rip off that Band-Aid and see the sore that's under underneath there, how do we respond to that and, and what do we do? And I agree with you. It's something that we need to take seriously. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Saturday Morning Live. I'm joined today by Nicholas Lewis um, from the Lummi Nation. We're talking about fentanyl. We're talking about methamphetamine. We're talking about community. We're talking about response and taking action. We'll be right back. Paid political announcement. I'm Kathy Kirshner, your current District 4 Whatcom County Council representative, and I want to continue my service to you. Four years ago, I was honored to be returned to the County Council by an overwhelming 74% of the voters. I have not taken your trust in me for granted, working diligently to stand up for and honor District 4 values, building trust and respect among other community leaders, even those with differing opinions and finding solutions that work. My priorities are simple, to put you first and solve our problems. This means being a leader who listens, understands, works for you, and doesn't waste your time or money. I believe smart government is about bringing people together, building trust, and finding the best solutions for the most people. That is what I will continue to do when reelected to represent District 4 on the Whatcom County Council. I ask for your vote by November 7th. Paid for by Vote Kathy Kirshner. If you've been thinking about buying the most reliable, safest, and most adventurous Subaru ever, now's the time to test drive a new Subaru at Dewey Griffin. They have a great selection of 2024 Subarus to choose from. And you'll love the advanced safety systems, comfortable interiors, and of course all-wheel drive with the ability to handle any and all terrain. Plus, when you purchase a Subaru from Dewey, you'll be supporting a local dealership that supports our local community. From the Ascent to the Outback and the Forester to the Impreza and the all-new Crosstrek, a Subaru from Dewey Griffin will get you and your family where you need to go safely. And if your vehicle needs service, check out Dewey's Express Service Center. It's fast, convenient, and best of all, there's no appointment necessary. Open six days a week, including Saturdays. Stop by for your next oil change or any other minor maintenance, and you'll get a free car wash with any service. Dewey Griffin Subaru. Community-minded, community-driven, and the only Subaru-certified tire and service center in Whatcom County. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group.
Good morning. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorensen, joined today by Nicholas Lewis from the Lemmy Nation. And we're having some really important community conversations today. You know, it's really great. I, I met Nicholas at the county council meeting a couple weeks ago. Um, he spoke for public comment and talked about the emergency declaration that, that the nation has put forward and the action steps that they're taking. And that's what we need. We need less talk and more action. Talk about that declaration a little bit. Yeah. Um, when that, that had happened, uh, we were down um, in Chehalis, a lot of mm-hmm. our, our leadership for a, a regional meeting uh, with all of our tribes uh, in, in the Northwest. And uh, we started to see uh, f- overdoses and funerals happen back to back to back. I think we had uh, four uh, within two days. Uh, these are deaths. Um, not just overdoses, and uh, it was it was a little bit bigger than that. But uh, seeing the impacts and starting to see uh, the coroner come back and say that it's carfentanil, uh, you know, with the testing that takes place, uh, carfentanil is scarier than fentanyl. Um, we need to understand that there's different types of drugs, there's different potencies, uh, and this resulted in overdoses back to back to back. And uh, we've been talking about this for a while, we did declare previously uh, a declaration about this, and mm-hmm. we were doing uh, things like I think any government would do, is working on improving our services, uh, but to the community, uh, when you have uh, deaths like that back to back to back, it's really hard to say, what are you guys doing? Right. And and I think that's that's not just a tribal struggle, that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And as a government and as a tribal leader, uh, it's our obligation and opportunity uh, to always pivot when we need to. We, we have to. If something's not working, we need to give clear direction better. We need to give support uh, to address immediately uh, the, the fentanyl crisis. Uh, we need to be solution-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, we, what we know is that doing nothing is resulting in doing nothing. Right. And uh, we challenge everybody uh, in any government that we need to be action and solution-oriented going forward. It's not just about having a meeting. It's not just about um, saying we're going to do something. Our community needs action. And action goes to support harm reduction, but it just as importantly goes to community safety. Mm -hmm. And um, so when we met uh, and had our discussions, I was thankful that our leadership uh, stood up uh, and and, uh, made the stances that we did. And uh, I think even doing that, there was uh, people that worried uh, that it's just going to be going nowhere mm-hmm. because that's what we've seen mm-hmm. in, in all governments. Yes. And so when I'm talking a lot, I'm not just talking about Lummi leadership nope. or uh, it's everywhere. It um, is. And so uh, as we go down this road, uh, we need to continue the efforts that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an opportunity to earn our community's trust back and we do that by staying committed we stay on course Uh, we keep doing things that are making an impact Mm -hmm. Um, if we're seeing drug homes in our community we need our law enforcement to do a lot more interdiction to disrupt those behaviors if we're seeing crime uh, happening and and our law enforcement can't arrest or or, uh, protect our community with those things we need to understand why and we need to go fix those issues um, if we have a denial of service, it's our op- ob- uh, sorry opportunity and obligation 
uh, to look at our programs and see what our barriers are. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as a nation, we don't want anybody turned away from any service. Um, but unfortunately, there are barriers. Mm-hmm. And as they come up, uh, we need to fix those. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, addressing the fentanyl crisis, uh, we need to look at our codes, our policies. Uh, but a lot of our response relies on our relationships with the counties, with mm-hmm. the cities, with the state, and with our federal partners as well. And uh, we need to be just as active uh, and committed to those conversations and those work as we are internally. Yeah. Wow. You laid it out. Let's talk about let's talk about those action steps that the nation is taking in in that declaration. I noticed, you know, like the one of the first things was disrolling people for trafficking. Yep. That's uh, a that's a pretty big that's a big thing. That that is and and uh, some of the things our our tribal leadership has been really active uh, in leading is we had the first ever Washington State uh, Tribal Fentanyl Opiate Summit. Uh, mm-hmm. That was hosted in Lummi earlier in the year. And then we really worked with a lot of our tribes and federal partners on hosting a national one in Tulalip uh, later in the year. And in those discussions, we talked about some of these things, banishment, mm-hmm. disenrolling, and there's a lot of pushback mm-hmm. in that. Uh, there's a lot of people in communities that uh, really believe in the harm reduction models and those work. And uh, I think that's why we're trying to talk more about balance mm-hmm. approach. Uh, if somebody's harming your community, uh, you don't want to be harmed. Um, put yourself in somebody's shoes. If if somebody hurt you and harmed your family, uh, you have a right to be safe. Mm-hmm. You have a right uh, to be protected, and you shouldn't have to uh, be the bad person for wanting to be safe. Right. And um, looking at the, the drugs and trying to understand the struggles that we're going through uh, we also have to op- have an open mind that when people are in this place, they're not who they are. Yes. Um, I've seen friends and loved ones that I grew up with that I struggle to recognize and yeah. know who they are. And it's the drugs, the addiction, the trauma. Um, and how do you have that balanced approach? Right. Um, so w- with that stance, uh, we don't want people um, in our community that's going to hurt and harm our community. And I think everybody would feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but doing that, uh, you have to find balance in how you do that. Right. Um, you should be able to keep your community safe, but also ensuring that if somebody does turn their life around, somebody heals, and we want that for everybody, Right. that there's a clear process and policy or a way that somebody can earn the right to come back. Because mm-hmm. um, we, we don't believe that the the place somebody is in today isn't their future. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have uh, a lot of services that are there to help people, and uh, with those services, people can heal, people can overcome, uh, but it takes time. It and, and in doing that, uh, they have to also earn the trust of the community yes. to come back home. And uh, so it's, it's really finding balance when we talk about that and keeping our community safe, uh, but also ensuring that we're not passing a one-lensed, uh, approach with this and mm-hmm. preventing somebody from coming home when they turn their life around or making amends. We want that. That's healing. Right. Exactly. Well, and I, and I think a lot of these community conversations, there's, it's so multifaceted and multilayered because it's, it's like hating the behavior, but still loving the individual as a person, as somebody's child, as 
somebody's parent or, you know, whatever those relationships are in the community. And you're right. It's finding that balance of helping them to be accountable. Mm -hmm. Right. And if they choose to put in the work and do what they need to do, you know, to get back on track and be a productive member, we welcome you. Yep. Right. You know, it's already the bottom of the hour. You're listening to Saturday Morning Live. Joined by my very special guest today, Mr. Nicholas Lewis. We'll be right back. This is Dick Donahue with Asset Advisors, and I'm sharing with you a very exciting announcement. I have made the decision to rejoin LPL Financial Services. I originally joined what was then Private Ledger in December of 1981 as one of about 300 representatives. I rejoined them now with over 21,000 representatives, over $1.3 trillion under management, and LPL is now part of the S&P 500 Index. In addition to discussing the latest financial news each week on Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI, I will share with you some of the reasons for this decision. Please join us at 11 a.m. each Saturday for our live Wealth Wake Up show or our 9 a.m. show on Sunday mornings here on KGMI. The opinions voiced in this show, program, podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable to you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. I want to feel safe. I think we can all agree that feeling safe in our homes and communities should be a top priority. That's why this election for Whatcom County Sheriff is so important to me. Our sheriff's office oversees law enforcement, emergency management, and the jail. It's the lead local law enforcement agency working to rid our community of fentanyl dealers and their deadly poison. That's why I'm supporting Under Sheriff Doug Chadwick for sheriff. As a lifelong resident with 29 years of experience in the sheriff's office, Doug knows Whatcom County and what makes each community unique. He's endorsed by Sheriff Elfo and more than 60 local law enforcement professionals and numerous leaders in public safety. To me, this speaks volumes about his character. We have a good sheriff's office now with a reputation for excellence. Let's keep it that way. Join me in voting Doug Chadwick for sheriff on November 7th. Paid for by Vote Doug Chadwick. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. CBS News Brief. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Jordan meeting with the head of the United Nations Agency helping Palestinian refugees. It's important to be here at UNRWA, which is doing extraordinary work every single day as a lifeline to Palestinians in Gaza and at great cost. This as civilians in Gaza continue suffering as Israel continues hammering the area. CBS's Deborah Pata is there. Just this morning, several more strikes in Gaza hitting a hospital entrance, a water tank supplying communities in the south, and a school used to house thousands of people whose homes have been flattened. You have a little extra time to party overnight. That's thanks to daylight saving time, which goes into effect at 2 a.m. Eastern in most states. CBS's Stacey Lynn explains. 48 states and the District of Columbia will turn back their clocks. It will be lighter out when you get up in the morning, but will get dreary and dark early. 
earlier in the evening. CBS News Brief. I'm Allison Keyes. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorensen, joined today by Nicholas Lewis. We are talking about community, really, is what this comes down to. We're talking about community. We're talking about the impacts of fentanyl. You know, we're recognizing um, that the Lummi Nation is actually taking steps and doing things, you know, um, not just talking about it, but but taking steps, taking mm-hmm. action steps um, and and really picking up a leadership role in this. Um, I know at the last meeting that you were at, you know, the county, um, you know, voted to support you guys. Um, and then they talked about, you know, future steps, I think, probably in this next meeting after post-election here, I think that um, they'll be taking some better action. It sounds like maybe a resolution coming forward from them. Yeah, I, I think that's the hope. I want to continue talking and working with the, the county, but I know our leadership uh, is right there as well. Uh, w- what happens in the county uh, impacts Lummi. It does. Um, and so we need to be engaged with those conversations uh, just as much as I was saying earlier. Uh, we have to be engaged at home. We have to be engaged elsewhere equally. Uh, and and uh, I think in doing that, there will be some good outcomes and pushing mm-hmm. uh, for action, pushing for solutions. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we cannot let uh, perfection get in the way of progress. Yes. And I, I think we paralyze ourselves so much. Let's study something. Let's uh, mm-hmm. think about this. Let, and I get that. We, we don't want to do things wrong. Uh, but when we're seeing the deaths that we are, we have to react differently. Yes. Because it, not reacting is allowing this to continue to get worse. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the statistics don't lie. There are 10 overdose deaths per month in Whatcom County on average. Right. If you look at the quarterly numbers um, on Whatcom opioid prevention or overdose prevention, um, if you look back into 2021, if you look back into 2020, the highest quarters were numbers in the low 300s. If you look at 2023, so far every quarter has been higher than that. It's been in the mid 300s. So something that was spiking once once a year, one for three months out of the year, that has now become the norm. What was what was the exception has become the norm. This is a growing problem. This isn't this isn't something that's you know, in in equilibrium that's just putting along. This is something that's on a growth curve. And, you know, we need to get get out in front of it, like like you're saying. So so cooperation um, between the county and the cities, you know, if you could wave your magic wand and get the steps from other government agencies that you're looking for, what would those be? Oh, that's a that's a question I, I I think we're all wanting. Um, you know, we we want action. We want solutions. Um, some of the things that we're working on uh, with the state uh, is creating a task force, and I know that kind of goes counterproductive to the solutions. Uh, but when we do that uh, in that work, we also need to, to remember that everything has to be action oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there is power and and things good things that can come out of a work group if you're driving it right yes. if it's saying we need action we need solutions 
we need to be able to respond quickly. Mm-hmm. I think with um, the hope that the county does declare a fentanyl crisis because it's already doubled this yes. year from last year. Um, we should have a county-wide uh, state of emergency declaration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know there's concerns about funding and all these other things, but again, we can get in our own way by thinking we don't have the funding, we don't have this. Mm-hmm. Um, our people are dying, yeah. and, and we need our leadership, all leadership, to react immediately mm-hmm. to the crisis, just like we did COVID. Yeah, You look at COVID, we responded on the spot. Mm-hmm. And um, what, we sh- what we've seen uh, with that, unfortunately in our area, I know we weren't as impacted by COVID as other, it still impacted us. We still seen mm-hmm. people pass away, but by having an immediate response, mm-hmm. we were able to lower our deaths compared to other yeah. areas. and. Fentanyl, it needs to be the same approach. No, I and I think that's right. You know, in my day job, I'm a realtor. Um, and there's a saying, a cliche in real estate, time kills deals. Mm-hmm. In this case, time kills people. It does. Uh, time it kills people. The time that we spend or waste or, you know, we want to be judicious about that. We want to use the time well and practice concurrency, right? That means at the same time that we're studying and looking into this, we also need to be taking action steps at the same time. We, we do. And uh, I think that's one of the things, um, you know, in some of the work that I've been doing, people are saying, why are you talking about this? And and having to try to pull them back and uh, saying in this approach, we need to have multiple tracks that are going parallel. Yeah. This isn't, time. this isn't one thing, uh, go down that road and then yep. go back to the beginning on another one. We need multiple roads at the same time. Yep. And, uh, so I'm glad you're you're speaking to that. Uh, it, it's needed. It is. You know, this is this is one of those topics. I mean, you know, I I heard the emotion when you spoke the other day, and even as even as we're sharing now, you know, th- it's it's a very it's a very personal kind of topic if you really stop and think about it, right? Yeah. You know, it's not those people over there or that group downtown or or whatever you know it's like people are dying in they our are, communities they are um you know from a tribal community uh, what the data shows uh, is that native americans unfortunately die three times higher than anybody else mm-hmm. uh, and when we're a small community we're feeling the impacts this isn't just somebody that's living on the street like we see in the county that that mm-hmm. might pass that we don't know Mm-hmm. Uh, when we lose somebody in our community, it hurts because we grew up with them. Right. We know them. We know their family. Uh, and in seeing the the the, th- the hold that fentanyl has on, on some of our people in our community, um, I take it personal because yeah. my children live there. Yeah. Um, and I want my children, just like I want your children or anybody else, I want them to be healthy. I want right. them to thrive. I want to see us grow to the potential our ancestors wanted for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we never wanted this for our people. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody wanted this. And uh, in a small community, we have to have a response that results in action. And uh, I, I will be mindful that there are times, uh, because there's no playbook how to respond to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've asked working with the state, how do you respond to this? Or the feds that I work with, uh, nobody has that, you know, even talking, uh, 
had a conversation with some of the the people in the FBI asking them and they're like we don't have that and you you think they would right um but when we talk about this just like covid there was no playbook mm-hmm. so everything that we're doing uh we need to be documenting our approach our response plan uh we need to collect data on if it's effective as well yes and then if it's not it's our obligation to pivot yes um, just cuz we we go down a direction uh, doesn't mean that's the only direction we got to go. Um, we have to be able to look and see, is right. this working yep. as it was intended? You know, But also having those conversations with our community. Mm-hmm. Is this working? Are we earning your trust? All these, these things, we need to be held accountable. You are singing my songs. <laughs> you know, it, it really is. It's so important. And I think so many things that we do, you know, the challenges that we're talking about today don't just impact Watkin County or Lummi Nation or Bellingham, you know, and sometimes I think people use it as an excuse to justify these problems and say, well, it's that way everywhere, or, well, it's not as bad here as there, or whatever those things are. But one of the things as a small, as small communities with limited resources that we need to learn to do is look at places like Seattle and Portland and L.A., and look at programs that have been used there and, and approaches that have been used there in Vancouver, BC, and say, well, what's been effective? What, what are the outcomes from those programs? And, you know, one of the things that you find with some of the programs that are being touted and, and that everybody's running to is that the evidence-based outcomes from those aren't very good, you know, but it's because, you know, that's what we have or, you know, that's what is funded or that's what pays or whatever the whatever the backstory is on that but we continue to do these things because we think they're the right thing without looking at the outcomes and I think you really are nailing it in that we have to look at the outcomes and we need to be having positive results if if we're not if we're having low percentage outcomes of positive Mm -hmm. results you, you know we can keep doing this but we need to make adjustments so that our outcomes are better. Yep. I, I think we all have the same North Star, I, it, no matter where you are. Um, when we were doing the work, um, you know, with the state summit and the national summit, uh, what we've seen, uh, at least from a tribal perspective, and I'd say that this is everywhere as well, mm-hmm. uh, the biggest need to address the fentanyl crisis is housing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, housing that supports our MAT programs, our treatment programs. Uh, when we send like I said, and this goes everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. When you send somebody to treatment, whether it's a month, four months, six months, longer, uh, they come back stronger. Mm-hmm. They do. Uh, treatment works. It helps. But when you're putting somebody back into the same environment that was a trigger for them, mm-hmm. how effective was that? Right. You can undermine some of the intentions and uh, so what we're really working on uh, identifying is how we can attach more housing mm-hmm. to our supportive services mm-hmm. now and, and looking at it differently. It's not just a house to put somebody in. It's wrapping them with services to make sure that you're helping them along the journey ahead because it's not going to be easy. It, it's a long-term approach. No, and and that's right. I, it's really interesting because I had a conversa- fairly lengthy conversation um, with somebody this week, and we'll talk more about this take a break here in a second but um who runs some sober houses you know and and wants to wants to do more in the community right you know and it's great because he was talking about the level of accountability everybody everybody gets tested every week mm-hmm. right you know and if if you're you got like 
30 minutes to get out if you fail your test. Yep. You know, they're not messing around. You're listening to Saturday Morning Live. We're having some community conversations. Nicholas Lewis is kind enough to give us some time this morning. We'll be right back. Bellingham Cider Company with local craft beers and a locally sourced Pacific Northwest inspired menu. You might know them for their delicious variety of cider flavors like their spiced pumpkin, caramel apple, and other seasonal flavors. But you'll also be amazed by their menu. Proudly sourcing their fresh food from local farms and businesses. Enjoy their in-house made ravioli, wahilo braised beef, or delicata squash salad. They're well known for their buttermilk brine chicken and waffles, but you'll also find juicy burgers made from Northwest raised beef. Or how about fresh coho salmon with roasted tomato chutney? You'll be amazed at the variety and selection of flavors from the kitchen. Dietary restrictions? No problem. Their menu provides a host of vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, and dairy options. The solar-powered, eco-friendly restaurant is stocked with a full bar, so you can enjoy your dinner and drinks with the best views of Bellingham Bay. Bellingham Cider Company, the place great ciders meet exceptional food with breathtaking views everyone can enjoy. Find them at 205 Prospect or at BellinghamCider.com. How do we earn our reputation for repairs you can trust? Great mechanics? Yeah. Quality parts? Absolutely. But the real secret is knowing the most important part of every vehicle is the driver. And here's your keys. She's already right on time. Thanks. With over 30 years of service, you can trust Bellingham Automotive to help you with any regular maintenance needs or unexpected repairs. Schedule your appointment at 360-676-5200 or visit BellinghamAutomotive.com. Do you know a group or individual in our community that works tirelessly to make a difference? Dedicated to Service wants to give them a special shout-out on the air. Email the details to dedicated at cascaderadiogroup.com. Dedicated to Service, brought to you by Nieder House of Luxury, Whatcom County's premier jewelry store, with over 45,000 unique pieces to choose from in their online store, and over 1,500 beautiful choices in-store. Nieder House of Luxury, 21 Bellwether Way, Suite 107, next to Lombardi's Back Patio. Saturday morning live. I'm Lyle Sorensen, joined today by Mr. Nicholas Lewis, who is a council member on uh, for the Lummi Nation. He is the vice chair of the regional Portland Indian Health Board and the national Indian Health Board as well. Super qualified, very involved, a great example of a leader. Um, maybe you should run for county office sometime. I think I'd vote for you. Um, you know, we were talking about, we were, before the break, we were talking about how housing, you know, for people who are in recovery, you know, how that plays an important role. And, and we talked a bit about association and stuff, you know, but treatment models require you to change your association and, and change your habits and change those things. And in a small community, it's even harder to get separation from the people and the situations maybe that have caused, um, caused you to get where you were used to be yeah uh talking about housing and we were talking a little bit about break um i got involved uh in in housing uh you know created a nonprofit to do some of the work in our community and uh i i learned some of the most valuable lessons um when we talk about uh housing whether it's uh, for homelessness or addressing the fentanyl or just the overall substance use um there's a stigma that goes with it uh, every mm-hmm. good intention still has a negative consequence for somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's our 
our op- obligation and opportunity uh, to be open-minded mm-hmm. and, and not stuck in our bias. Uh, when we started doing some of the work um, about homelessness, um, some people were really angry with me uh, about that and said, why would you put those people next to us? Mm-hmm. Would you put them in your own next to your family, the people that you love? Uh, and when, when we went through that, um, I actually put a tiny home on my property mm-hmm. and I put a homeless person uh, that was there and I gave him a key to my house. And if you're going to talk about this, you really need to follow through. Uh, so if I was going to talk about homelessness, uh, one of the things that I did is I did put a tiny home on my house and I helped somebody, gave him a key to my own house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the homes was right in front of my, my mom's house. Mm-hmm. Um it impacts us, but we need to be mindful of that is mm-hmm. that when we're trying to help people, we also need to make sure we're not causing harm to the other people around. Yes. And, and that's uh, accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we shouldn't be scared to be accountable. Uh, when people are hurt and frustrated, uh, to me that shows that they care. And uh, we need to acknowledge that a lot more that in anger and hurt when they're expressing it, that's because they care. Mm-hmm. And we can't tune them out. We have to sit there and listen and acknowledge them because that's their truth. Right. Well, and I think you you bring up some really relevant points. You know, my respect level just went up like six notches, right? Because you not only advocate for things, but you are also acting on that. You're practicing what you preach, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying, look, I've done this, you know, and. I like to say that no good deed goes unpunished, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what I got this gray hair for now. <laughs> right? Oh, I'm way ahead of you. But but no good deed goes unpunished. And, and there are repercussions and there are things. And, you know, when we are working with specialized housing, you know, one of the things in, in real estate that we talk about in commercial real estate is tenant mix. You know, mm-hmm. when you're when you're placing tenants into a shopping center or an office complex or whatever, you know, you want a mix of businesses that work well together. And it's the same thing um, if you're doing sober housing or if you're doing, you know, whatever, that screening and case management and programming and supervision, all of those things are so important for the success of the program. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and so, you know, that's, that's one of those things that, that we need to work on. You know, another thing I think, you know, if it impacts everybody in the county, um, one of our callers was curious about that is, you know, what what impact does our lack of incarceral space have, you know, on on these kinds of things? That that is a loaded question. We could take uh, more than an hour on. Yeah, we um, could, right? We could. Um, when we talk about this, I, I think. Uh, looking at just the community, how polarized it is one way or the other, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's either you're all in for or against. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, And I can acknowledge both sides have truth. And mm-hmm. I think that's something we need to acknowledge too. Um, people that don't want to jail, why is that? Mm-hmm. Because there have been bad policies in the past. When mm-hmm. we got tough on crime, it was people of color that got locked up the most. I know uh, there's a... Uh, data, I, I can't quote it exactly, but it was about a third of the jail population was tribal members. 
Um, and so we've seen our people getting locked up at the highest rate. So we have to acknowledge why people don't like jails because there's, especially in ours, uh, there's not as much rehabilitation services in there like there is yeah, other places. Yeah, because there's no space. Yep. Have you and, been in that thing? Yeah, I have. I have. That thing's horrible. It is. It is. And but then on the other side, uh, after acknowledging, you know, the people that have that view, um, you know, I can share from my personal experience. I had my house broken into. I had things stolen from me that meant a lot mm-hmm. uh, because they were trying to to fill their addiction, uh, mm-hmm. get some money to go get fentanyl, and what the, what was frustrating as a community member is law enforcement couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, what, theft, all these things that happen because of the, the fentanyl crisis, they're misdemeanors most likely. Mm-hmm. The jail won't take those people. Right. Um, it's violent crimes only. I, I can understand because of the lack of space, they prioritize violent offenders. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other conversation for me uh, as well. And if your house was broken into or if you were harmed by somebody, how safe do you feel after that when the justice system cannot protect you? Yeah. Uh, so what I hope people are mindful of is that we do need a jail. Mm-hmm. We do need a facility. That is a tool in the response. Mm-hmm. But that does not undercut or undermine our other approaches. Everything, mm-hmm. like as we were talking about earlier, everything has to be parallel and there's no reason why we can't harmonize our approaches. Right. It's not competing yeah. against one another. Nope. We need community safety just like we need supportive services. Yeah. No, exactly right. It's the and approach. It's not mm-hmm. the or approach. It's not this way or that way. It's we need this way and that way, yep. Yep. you know, because this is bigger. You know, whether we realize it or not, a lot of the community challenges that we face are almost bigger than we are. Yep. Right. Um, you know, if we all work together and we all hands on deck and we do everything we can with everything that we can. And one of the, the things that we really feel uh, frustration with is if you're seeing somebody deal fentanyl mm-hmm. in the community you know what they're doing and uh, what makes this so important is it just takes one pill to kill somebody that's right um, that's a scary statistic it that really is. is one pill and uh, people that are struggling with addiction because their tolerance is so high it's not uncommon for them to have 50 or 100 pills just to get through a day because of the short high that it gives them um, but to anybody else that will kill us right instantly um, and if you're seeing a drug dealer in your community and, and they're handing that out, um, you don't feel safe. You see law enforcement come and try to arrest them. How safe do you feel when law enforcement goes arrest them and then they're released the same day? Right. Um, and back doing the same thing. The justice system, and I, I think COVID really hurt our justice system a lot. Uh, we haven't recovered from it. You know, we... We need to work on a jail solution. Uh, I hope that going forward, uh, whatever the outcome is, that the county works with the tribes mm-hmm. as partners on this because we do need a, a facility. Yeah. I, I know the tribe has talked about working with other tribes and building our own tribal-specific jail because uh, our system isn't able to be accountable and keep our community safe like they deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the truth. And we... Uh, we need a holding facility as part of our response, our tools. And it's not saying that uh, we want to arrest our way out of this. We can't. No, Um, it's not a lock them up and throw away the key approach, you know, and that's what I really like. Holy cow, we're running out of time. I hate this. You know, but it's not a lock them up, throw away the key approach. It's, you know, let's use that as a point of intervention, as a point of accountability. Nicholas, thank you so much for coming on the air. 
This has been an amazing conversation. I think we need to continue it, expand it. Um, you're listening to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorensen, joined today by Nicholas Lewis. Hope you have a great November. Talk soon.